you know, it's more now the sum of all my knowledge. I've combined so much of my understanding of Pilates and posture into um, what I look for. And that, once I flipped that coin, that was like, right, we're here. I know, I know this is now where I'm, what I'm doing. I, I don't do regular massage on a horse. You are entering the Age Rebels Revolution. The intelligent podcast for over 40s wanting to live their best life and defy your numbers. We are your hosts, Summer Bentley and Isaac Xavier. Come on in. The age of 60 with the vitality of a 40-year-old. Today we speak with Darren Rowe, an in-demand horse masseur and a true Australian horse whisperer. A little over 14 years ago, Darren changed careers from a highly successful aerobics competitor, Pilates studio owner and a personal trainer, to massage therapy for horses, especially racehorses. About eight years ago, I spent a full day with Darren watching her do her magic. I witnessed close up such intimate connection with Darren and the horses she was working with. They were always so happy to see her and they expressed their love and gratitude in the most quirky and gorgeous ways. Horses are fascinating and their power can intimidate the strongest of men. We can't wait to find out how Darren can calm the most volatile beast just with her presence. Hey Dee, thank you so much for joining us today. What's it, what's it like down in Bendigo right now? It's quite sunny, actually, with the slight breeze, but, uh, yeah, pleasant. Yay. So, first question. So, you and I have known each other for eons, like 40 years, and I didn't realise you were a little bit older. You just hit the big six zero. And well, thanks for telling me all that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you have the vitality and energy of someone 40 years younger than, than yourself. What do you put that down to? Oh, look, um, obviously I've had an extensive career in the fitness industry, as you well know. Mm-hmm. So probably exercising for a very long period of time. Can't say I do that as much these days, but, you know, I probably spent at least 35 years of my life exercising and uh, teaching on a stage and doing all those things. So that's probably part of it. I'd say I've got pretty good genetics. That's another part of it. And I... Expect that now, even though I'm not exercising as much, I have found something that I absolutely love doing and Mm. that gives me a lot of vitality. Yeah. Well, I I think it's something else as well, like all of that, keeping fit and everything, but you have always been such a lover of animals, but also you had this quirky, wacky nature, so you don't act your age, so to speak. (laughs) No, and I think that... I think the funniest part about that is if anybody ever uh, listens to me or watches me with horses, they kind of like, you know, uh, I think the child comes out of me and that's the funniest part because I have so much fun just talking rubbish to them as such. (laughs) (laughs) What sort sort of things do you say to the horses? Quite odd and it depends on what I'm doing, but, you know, like I have have conversations with them all the time, like, oh, do you like that? You know, is it good or it's nice? How beautiful is that? And then I'll say things like, oh, we're going to kiss eyes today, you know. (laughs) I have a really silly voice that I use, but it's non-threatening. And as you may well remember, my career before, well, or as a parallel to the fitness industry, I was a school teacher for 10 years. So um, they they don't muck around when I yell, when I raise my voice as such to say, I'm not tolerating that sort of rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) 
So if they're naughty or they decide that they want to, you know, act up a little bit, I, you know, it's a funny thing. I'm, the horses don't scare me. Most of the people that you talk to go, oh, my God, horses scare me. But horses don't intimidate me at all. It's very rare. I could probably count on one hand the times I've been intimidated by a horse or scared, you know. Um, so having a, um, a playful attitude with them where you're not threatening them, then they're not feeling threatened, then I think, you know, that goes a long way. Yeah, you're just so – because when I spent a day with you watching you, they – as soon as you walked into the school, you could see them like, oh, Mama D's here, yay. They're just like so happy to see you. And so that connection, that must be just so nourishing. Yeah, well, we, we call, uh, I'm now called my lady. Oh, my lady is here. My lady. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, you know, they, they don't want to have anything to do with anybody else. Like they'll bite the person that sometimes, people that own them are like, you know, they, they'll snap at them. Excuse me, can you go away? Because I'm with my lady. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the compliment because it's... Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's been said a lot that horses are a very truthful judge of character. Have you found that to be true? Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, the biggest thing with horses is that their energy and Xavier will probably, you know, say about that with me, you know, obviously to stand up on an aerobic stage and teach hundred people at a time you have to have a great energy that you're giving out and it's the same with horses you, you know they intuit what you're bringing to the table as such so they are intuiting that this lady's not you know she's going to help me she's not going to hurt me and if they're not in that state then I have to find a way to reassure them that you know I'm not going to hurt them I'm not going to upset them I'm going to make it better I have a little thing that I say all the time where I go, oh, mama, fix it, mama, fix it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I use the same language all the time. So when you're repeatedly use, uh, working with similar horses a lot of the time, you've got to use the same language so they understand, you know, even if they don't understand the words, and I'm pretty sure sometimes they do understand the words, because <laughs> they'll nod their heads when you ask them a question <laughs> and oh. say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, 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 you know, you ask a question and they'll go, yes, and you ask the next question, yes. So it's, it is quite funny. Uh, we probably underestimate what they do understand. But the biggest thing they understand is intonation. So if you're using the same words and you're, in, you know, using the same intonation, then they, they pretty much know. It's like a dog. If you say sit with a certain command, then the dog will sit. But it has to be your command because if someone else comes in and goes, oh, sit, you know what I mean? It doesn't, doesn't work the same. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Horses are renowned for their healing abilities from mental health to physical ailments do you know or can you explain how that happens well again I think it comes back to the intuition uh, of them knowing um well how do you explain how do you explain intuition on that sense you know what I mean you know they are always very very passive around children it's like they know not to hurt them uh, because children don't have the same hidden agendas as adults. That mm. might be a way to think about it. Mm. If you're walking into a stable to get a horse to do something, then they know that there's an agenda. Uh, I'm going to get taken out to do work or I'm going to get ridden or I'm gonna, this is going to happen. You know what I mean? They associate, yeah. whereas when they look at a Down syndrome child or a child that's afflicted by problems of some sort or they're just a child in in like children uh, are amazing I remember once there was this horse at Gay Waterhouses that was absolutely playing up like running up and down the box 
and would not calm down and she was walking over to shut the top, you know, to put him so that he couldn't bite anyone and carry on. And this little tiny girl, my, my friend took a photo of it, my little tiny girl walked up and just put her hand up to his face and he melted. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, she's like, don't, stop. You know, so, and he just, he went to water and he looked at her with these big eyes like, you know, well, well, okay, well, all right. You see, because there's no harm, in, you know, in a mm. child. The child's not going to whack the horse. The child's not going to do anything to the horse. So they they intuit whether you're a good person, you're a bad person. And I think that's really uh, profound with obviously kids that are struggling. Yeah. Um, and they, and what, what I have found, you know, from my own personal experience too, is they give you back your personal power. Ooh. That's a huge statement. I got tingles. Wow. How, 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 in what way? When you said well, that if you're struggling, I mean, you know, I don't go into my own history. But if you're mm. struggling in certain ways, you know, you you've lost your power. You know that. You know, mm. you wouldn't know a lot of people that come to you for fitness and they've lost their power and they're yeah. trying to empower themselves again. Well, horses, you've got a 500 kilo animal plus in front of you. That you are taming the beast, uh, whether you're patting it, whether you're brushing it, whether you're walking it, whether you're massaging it, you know, you've got an animal that with one foul swoop could kick you and kill you, mm. but they don't. So if you're not abusing that as a, a, you know, I'm not trying to get power from the, over the animal, I'm getting power from the animal, mm. right? It's about your perspective. Whoa. That 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 makes so much sense because I visited a um, horse therapy a woman in Gisborne in Victoria and she had four horses a huge Clydesdale and three X race horses and it was the most yep. amazing experience. She said just go out and and brush them, feed them, pat them, and then and this is cutting a, a two hour ex- experience very short. And they um and then she said when you feel ready just go and sit by a fence. So I sat on a chair and then the matriarch, she's the one who ruled them all, she came over, then the other four came over and they just stopped and held space for at least an hour, didn't move. And it was the most amazing experience. And then when they were done, she came up to me with her nose and she just put her head and rubbed it right up my front three times and then looked at me. It's like, okay, we're done. It was unbelievable how they just understood what was going on. Yeah, well... You know, I read this book when when I first decided on this. Well, I didn't know I was going to have this career change. So, you know, we might hark back towards that later on. But when I first entertained the thought of working with horses, and mind you, I came from zero horse background. I didn't own a horse. I didn't ride horses. I did nothing as a child. I had no horse handling experience. Aside from having a trail ride, you know, two or three times in my life, I'd never really been around them. But... uh, there was a lady at, at Fitness First called Hannah who put me onto this book called The Tao of Equus, which is a very, a very amazing book. And it's all about a lady that does that sort of work that you're talking about over mm. in America. And um, the words that come to mind that have always stuck there, you have to be authentic and congruent. Mm. And that learning that lesson from that book, if I learn nothing else, you can't go in there with your problems and expect the horse to do what you want it to do because mm. you're not there in the moment. Horses don't have the capacity to look at the future nor the past. They're in the present. Mm. 
Mm. And that in itself. So what you were doing when you were sitting there was you were being present, watching the horse. You probably weren't thinking about anything else. No. And because you were wondering whether that horse might charge at you or do something or, or whatever was in your mind. But you were right in the present. So that's the thing that you have to be. You can't take your troubles in there. And the only times I ever really get kicked or bitten or stuff is, is, I've, got, is I've got something else sitting in my mind. Oh, wow. That kind of that's symbolizes life too, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. But they know, and if you're not authentic, well, you can make them do things, but that's you using your power over them. And I remember, you know, years ago I did a course and I spoke to this this man who designed this red light therapy thing and, and he said, uh, you know, you need to have your, when you're working with them, you need to put your sleeve up so that you, you've got exposed skin because they need to come, you need to be able to get into their space and I'm like, oh, I never have any problems with that. They always come into my space. And you said, oh, well, you've mastered that then. Nice. Well, you I, know, so they I, have to want to come to you mm. for, you know, because they want you to help them, not because you're going to make something happen to them. Actually, that brings back a point where I remember you told me this story where this one horse was, no one could get near it. The owner was this gruff person who was didn't believe in, horse massage and all that rubbish stuff in his words and no one no one could do anything with it but you walked in there and the horse totally calmed down do you remember i remember you told me about that (laughs) and i'm going to be honest because i can't remember which horse it was so I've, i've racked my brain thinking about it but there are many horses that are like that and particularly in racing because they you know, they obviously have to run at speed and as a result of that, you know, their hamstrings get sore and then they change their posture and then this happens or they might be carrying injuries that somebody hasn't found out about yet and all that sort of stuff. So they can change their disposition to how they're acting uh, or behaving is probably a better word based on what they're feeling. So the greatest thing about what I do is that I'm the lady that comes in and makes you feel better. Mm. And when, you know, then they... If you go back to then the fact that they then have an association ability, then you're going, well, hang on, this lady makes me feel better. She always makes me feel better. So I like her, so I'll do whatever she wants me to do. If you're ready to age young, discover the truth about accessing the fountain of youth and claiming your best ever health, jump into our free Facebook group where we share the best information, including behind the scenes of our podcast and coaching. Just search for the group Defy Your Numbers or email us at hi at agerebels.com and we will add you. So Darren, I'm really fascinated about what you said earlier regarding you had no experience or association with horses previously. Can I ask you, how old were you when you changed career? And was it that book that was the stimulus or was there something else? And what steps did you take to get there? Okay, so as the story goes, I had, well, a pretty successful career in the fitness industry. As I said, I was a school teacher for 10 years, but I'd always taught aerobics classes like from the time I was about 16 or 17 um, long before aerobics became really the, the high fashion thing that it became. 
And so I went through that whole era of, and um, Xavier will tell you, it was pretty, a pretty amazing era. It's not like aerobics is today. It was like colour and, and excitement and we we're all creative beings that uh, made, these amazing, made up these amazing classes long before the Les Mills came along. And consequently, you know, I'd, I'd reached the pinnacle of that being one of the elite instructors in Melbourne. Uh, I, you know, I, was, I taught in Hong Kong in 2000 for um, over a year and I'd been a personal, well, I was a personal trainer and I kind of got to that point where it was like, uh, you know what, this is a giving game all the time. You're giving, giving, giving and you're not really getting back. So I need to find something that gives me more personal satisfaction. And that would have been at, a, at about an age 42, 43. I was like, I need something else. I don't know what it is. I have no idea what it is. So I cast it out to the universe and said, right, what are you going to give me? And I reckon, yeah, it was probably around 43 because I actually embarked on the career uh, when I was about 45. So what happened was I was flicking through a magazine one day, which was a horse deals magazine. Ask me why I had horse deals magazines. I don't know. My mum used to give them to me. And <laughs> so she worked in a news agency and she knew that I liked racing and stuff. So she'd give me these horse deals magazines. Anyway, I flick into a magazine and I see a course for horse massage. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. That is literally how it happened. That's oh. what I'm going to do. Did you feel that and in your like, body <laughs> somewhere and just it just hit you? I just intuitively knew that's right. what I was going to do. Yeah, But I didn't. I didn't put it out that, you know, of what I was looking for. I didn't know what I was looking for. I just needed something else. Otherwise, I thought, you know, I can't, I, if I'm going to have to work for the rest of my life or keep going, you know, to try and earn a living, I need to find something I want to get up every day doing and love it and not ever go, oh, my God, I wish this would end, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I love that. I love what I do. I love helping them. And, yes, look, I, I travel a 1,000 kilometres a week. I won't finish tonight until nearly 7 o'clock. I, I left home at 6 o'clock this morning. But I don't mind. The travel gets to me, but I love the work. But anyway, so I, I then decided, okay, so when we competed in the aerobics championships, we used to have massage all the time. I lived with the masseur, and I had to train very, very hard to build a body that could do the those aerobics championships. And so consequently, obviously, you got sore and so forth. Plus, it was teaching like 15 classes a week of aerobics. Jeez. So I used to get massage myself. And I'm like, why wouldn't racehorses need this? They're elite athletes. Why wouldn't they need this? So that was sort of where it all, all started. And I went to enroll in that course. And it was in Victoria, that particular course. And it used to start either in, you'd start in January or you'd start in June. Well, I swear to God, every every six months that I went to enrol, something happened. My house got robbed. The dog died. Uh, you know, um, my job changed. You know, I didn't have enough money. Blah, blah, blah. It went on and on and on. Finally, I had enough money. I sent the check. I booked in and equine influenza came to Victoria oh. and New South Wales and they shut the industry down. You may, I don't know Whoa. if you know. So the industry got shut down for quite a period of time, which meant there were no horses, no, no horses could travel, no horse could move, kind of like a COVID thing, right? Mm. And so the universe was going, do you really, do you really want to change direction? Do you really? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And so I went to Canberra. I did a three-day introductory course to see if I really wanted to do it. And I came back going, I really want to do this. I, I have enough knowledge with anatomy and physiology to understand, you know, about working with, with the animal, 
I just need to learn how to handle them. So I got up at three o'clock every morning, uh, a couple of times a week, and I went to Caulfield to uh, a trainer there, and they let me learn how to handle them, walk them down the track, wow. um, swim, swim them, you know, walk them back, groom them, do this, do that. What a normal stable hand person would do. So I went and actually did the hard yards of um, learning how to handle horses. And then I, in the process of going to Canberra, and doing this three-day introductory course, I learned of another course called Equinology, where I went to Brisbane in the end and did a 10-day intensive and then came home and had to learn how to practice on horses. And so I landed in a, a stable out at Cranbourne. This is while I'm still teaching aerobics classes and mm. running group, group fitness. And um, I moved house the same year and I set up my Pilates studio. So I was a bit, uh, you know, like full on. But uh, I did the whole 400-hour you know, requirements for the course. 400 hours? 400 hours it constituted. So it took wow. me over a year to do it. And I was going out to Cranbourne like twice a week and practicing and learning and all that sort of stuff. I still didn't know, you know, what I was really doing uh, back then. And when you would have seen me, you know, working, what, what mm. I do today is totally, totally different. In what totally way? different. Like, what did you do then as compared to now? Because I'm, I'm really, well, and, and a lot of people are curious, like you can't really massage a horse like you massage a person. They're too big, aren't they? Isn't it more fascial stuff? What do you do? Well, it is fascial stuff, and I use, I do use a fascial tool. It's part of my uh, regime. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's more now the sum of all my knowledge. I've combined so much of my understanding of Pilates and posture into um, what I look for. And that, once I flipped that coin, that was like, right, we're here. I know, I know this is now where I'm, what I'm doing. I, I don't do regular massage on a horse. I, I look at uh, how they're standing on that longitudinal axis, axis mm -hmm. in terms of symmetry, you know, the same mm -hmm. as what you would do when you're looking yeah. at a person and you yeah. go, oh, well, that, that foot's dropped and that shoulder's up and da 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 da, -da. Mm -hmm. So I look at how they're standing on the frame. And then I try to realign and release the areas that are tight and realign their pelvis to try and be in line with their shoulders, to try and get their neck in line. Well, that's not, that's not an easy thing to do with a 500-kilo animal that you're kind of pushing around and yanking legs and doing all sorts how, of stuff. How do you with do it? With the, like when you talk of pelvis, like that's a well, size you, of a small you know, car. You pick up their back leg and extend them out wider than their hips and – yeah, it's probably it's, – it's a very visual thing, I think, now. Mm, like, you mm. need to sort of – you know, it's tricky to explain. But I still do massage techniques, and I, I do scraping work, and I've got a very good set of long fingernails. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do wear gloves. I do wear gloves on my fingers. But, you know, I use my – I use the top of my fingers and the nails in different ways to open out the tissue and um, release – the stuff that's all jammed together fascially and so forth. So it's a lot about uh, like what I can feel and then how I think, you know, the horse should be standing if it was standing mm. in the proper frame. You're never going to get perfection. You don't get perfection with humans. Yeah. But I think all my Pilates knowledge and understanding posture is like if you get down on all fours and when I taught Pilates, you people get in that all fours position. Well, there's a correct way to go in the all fours position, isn't it? You mm. don't have your hands out front and you yeah. don't have your knees out to the back. You've got mm. to be in that tape top yeah. position where your spine is aligned and mm. posture is, that's what it's about. So then we throw the tablecloth over, you know, over the table and it doesn't land 
symmetrically, so what do we do? We straighten it up. Mm. That's the analogy I kind of use. I like it. Yeah, and I, I, I watch them. I watch them when they, you would respond. You'd use your nails and things. And some t- I've seen where, and I've seen photos of it, where they actually gently pull your, like you're working on, on their front leg, and they lean over and pull your shirt up and start nuzzling your lower back. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they do lots of um, funny things like that. And, you know, the, the funniest thing is that they're so much better when they're one-on-one when no one else is around because mm. I, I let them do all of that sort of stuff because that's their way of talking, you know, and you've got to watch their face. You've got to read their faces. So their mouths are very uh, tell you a lot of stuff. Their eyes neurologically tell you a lot of stuff. And mind you, I've done lots and lots of courses since I probably since you saw me. So mm. while I did the initial course, I've, I've done another course by a guy called Jim Masterson. It's all about neurological stuff and just very light touching I only recently, two weeks ago, did another one with a girl from Holland that's on functional movement of the horse. And, uh, you know, it's blending blending a lot of information together now and working intuitively with what they tell you because, you know, they're not always sore. They can just be tight, Mm. but they can be sore. So you've got to be very careful about how you approach, you know, a sore horse uh, is a different kettle of fish to one that's just tight. But mostly they'll stand there for an hour and they'll just go, righto, do what you need to do because I'm loving it. And their faces and their necks and they, you know, their noses change and uh, they yawn and they lick and they chew and, you know, like there's lots and lots of stuff that goes on. Yeah, because when I, I, actually, when I saw you do that, I'd see them yawn and they'd start to chew. You were yawning. Yeah, I know. Well, I I think I yawned a hundred times that day. Yeah. They pass it on. Vicariously. Because they're concentrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always say, so I do work on, I work now too on yearlings. So babies that are getting ready to be sold at, you know, Magic Million sales and all that. I'm Mm -hmm. doing them at the moment. And I always have a handler there because they're, they can be very unpredictable because they're not, you know, very well handled at that point in Mm -hmm. their life. Mm -hmm. It comes at the paddock. And I always say to the, um, Handler, you know, you, at some point you're going to start yawning and you won't know why. And they look at you like, yeah, righto. And then it happens and they're trying to stifle it. It's so funny. Wow. It's like, she told me this was going to happen. And it is, you know. I, I, it doesn't happen to me, funnily enough. Horses don't make me yawn but because I suppose I'm concentrating on what I'm doing. Mm. But they never make me yawn. But they do make handlers yawn. So it sounds like a tra- <laughs> Go on. No, no, no. That's yeah. what happened to you, I was going to say. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. And, and when um, it sounds like it's very accepted now, when you first started, what was the general feel like? Were, were trainers and owners accepting of, of massage and, and the sort of therapy you do? Uh, well, look, trainers are a, a funny beast. Um, <laughs> they are, you know, I'm a woman and that does come into play. You know, you're a woman, so what do you know? Uh, there's that. That was, you know, that was what was going on as part of it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the trainer, so I know more than you know. And if you pointed out things that they didn't know or understand, well, then, you know, that's intimidating and that's not my intention to be intimidating. I'm trying to get you to understand things that I understand that could be beneficial for you to know. But no, you know, they don't like that sort of stuff mm-hmm. because it's like, you're pointing out that they're ignorant. And just because you learned off so-and-so who was a good trainer doesn't necessarily mean that you know everything. But, um, and it, it is, it is, and it probably still is a little bit of a boys club in the sense of, oh, I've got a chiropractor, why do I need a masseur? Well, they're mm. not the same. Mm. 
you know, they're definitely not the same. And there's a lot of people that, you know, they they cashed in on this sort of stuff because it's a whole, and, and, and trainers can be a little bit like, oh, well, it's a tick in the box. I got the Cairo in and they did whatever, but they don't know what the Cairo did. And the Cairo just clicked their neck and did something else and then goes, thanks, that, I'll have my money for that. So, uh, you know, there, there's been all of that, but I have to say I've got very regular work by trainers who are very supportive of what I do and I'm 15 years, you know, next year down the track and I'm still in this industry. So I think that stands alone. Yeah. And could, what, would you, what would you say is your most successful? Because that, it, you've got to have the runs on the board. People have got to see a change in their horses. What, what sort of results do you see in the horses you work on? Um, well, you know, look, horses, obviously it's, it's performance-based. The trainer needs to see that the horses run better or perform better than it, it did or it's, it's you know, it, it didn't get beaten by 10 lengths. It got beaten by one length, you know. So the, mm. the stride lengths and stuff increases. Uh, their ability to move, you know, with comfort, you know, is, is a big thing. But, I, I mean, I've done a lot of very good horses and and but it doesn't matter you get just as much pleasure out of seeing a horse that's uh, you know work you know you you won't understand the rating system but like a naught to 58 is pretty low compared to say a group one and um you, it's just as satisfying to see a horse win for a, a trainer that's not a big time trainer mm. that it is to you know people that are, uh, are getting the big wins on the board having said that you know this year i uh i, I work for a trainer called clayton douglas who um He's got a, a horse that has a, 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 a great story in that his, his owner is a billionaire. His breeder, his owner, is a billionaire. He bred the father, and the father was quite a, a reasonable horse, and then they retired him to stud, and they got this uh, foal called Giga Kick, who they were going to um, sell him, but he wasn't. He really wasn't much to look at and he probably wouldn't have made much money. So they pulled him out of the sale and he ended up getting colic, which is not very good because, it, you know, it's a twist of their guts and stuff and they can die They can die from it. Got colic. They didn't think he was going to pull through. Uh, he pulled through. Again, not worth much chop. So they gave him to Clayton and just, you know, like, see what you can do with this horse. He won the Everest this year. That's the $15 million race in Sydney. <laughs> and so he had five He had five wins on the board. Well, that was his fifth win, I think, in a row. So he'd gone from a lowly rating. His first race was at uh, a country track somewhere. And then they stepped him up and he won at the major tracks in Melbourne. And then he got – you have to be invited to go into the Everest because uh, uh, people um, buy the slots. So it's about $600,000 to buy a slot, you know. So you have to have money to be able to go in mm. it. Anyway, he got invited at the last minute after his last run. And <laughs> it's the most amazing thing to watch. I, I, I might try and send it to you, the, the video. He mm. comes from the back, back of the field. He's like only three years old and wins $6.7 million. That's incredible. <laughs> Wow. It's incredible. Absolutely. Wow. Now, uh, last this has been absolutely fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah. You know, Molly was a show jumper, had her own horse, and I had no idea just the depths of how powerful your work is. But the last question for you is, how have you changed as a person since working with horses? Well, 
I think the most profound thing probably for me is uh, like while it's a calming thing and, you know, I obviously love doing it as I've already expressed, I think the most profound thing is uh, acting with empathy, you know, like really understanding what true empathy is about because what I see now with a lot of people is so much superficiality and Mm -hmm. I can see, you know, you see straight through it. So I think the connection with a an animal that has no verbal communication for me is really really powerful and that probably allows me to understand you know connections with humans better mm. yeah that makes a beautiful. lot of sense beautiful yeah yeah hey Dee, thank you so much for taking time in between your horses and your joy of what you're That's doing right. Really, really appreciate you coming on. And thanks Thank for you your, for inviting me. Thanks for your wisdom. And I'm sure people are going to look at horses, especially resources, a lot differently now. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. Well, I mean, they, they are purpose-bred animals, but, you know, they do they do like to run. So it's not that they are, they're being forced to do something they don't like to do. You know, it's like it's no different to show jumping and stuff like that. You know, if the horse doesn't want to jump, it won't jump. So, you oh, know, okay. Racing yeah. is racing. Molly's shaking her head of it at the it doesn't want to jump. She's gone over the front of one a few times. <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, so much, well, Dee. It's thanks, been the Dee. most amazing conversation. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Ciao, ciao. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining this podcast. Want to take the conversation further and learn more about how to live an energised, pain-free life as you age? jump into our free Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash defy your numbers. If you have any questions or ideas for topics, shoot us an email at hi at agerebels.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Age Rebels Revolution. Revolution.